It's a cold morning, but beautiful nonetheless. I say good morning and welcome to the National Discourse, reaching you live from the Kunle Amzat Studios in the city of Ibadan, Agidigbo, 88.7 FM. It's a delight to be able to bring to you this morning again conversations revolving around Nigeria's developments and how we can move forward as a country. The name is Zainab Sani, and that's my way of saying welcome to National Discuss, where we host reputable Nigerians to discuss solutions that can cater to the myriad of problems the country face. This morning, we have someone who has you know, who is a veteran when it comes to journalism, someone who has a long history of touring the journalistic corridors and who has at some point switched over to politics and is now back into the field. Uh, I'm talking of no other person than Dari Barbarinsa. He is the chairman Gaskia Media Limited. He was the co-founder of Tell Magazine, where he was executive director for 15 years. Is also or he was also the um, former executive director of Western Publishing Company Limited, the publishers of the Western and the Nigerian Compass, and at some points worked as a reporter for the Concord. When you hear the names of those papers, you know what I'm talking about. Today is the author of several books, including House of War, One Day, a Story, One Day and a Story, and the Nigerian Century. More recently, he ran for the governorship position in Ikita State under the platform of Alliance for Democracy. Join me to welcome to the National Discuss this morning a very quintessential Nigerian in the person of Mr. Dari Barbarinsa. Enjoy the conversation I had with him. Okay. Thank you so much, Alagba Dari Barbarinsa, for joining us on National Discuss this morning. Let's go to um, several years back, right? When you when when you were covering the controversial 1983 general elections and the resultant mayhem, what was it like for Nigeria at that time? I mean, what was the outlook for you at that point in time as you moved around doing your job as a journalist and interacting with um, politicians and the military and the dynamics that we had play at that time? Mm. Uh, the 1983 election was... The, the election that uh, became very, very controversial. The two main contenders then were the National Party of Nigeria, which was controlling the federal government, and it was headed by Alatisho Shagari. Mm. And the other party was the Unity Party of Nigeria, which control, which was controlling most of western states, headed mm. by Shibafemi Awulo. I was the correspondent in Akure, mm-hmm. where the contest was heavily fought. The MPN was challenging UPN for the control of the state. And uh, so the APN the candidate was announced to have won the election. And people were asking themselves, who voted for him? We didn't vote for him. How could he have won the election? So, uh, it resulted in serious violence. It was difficult to cover the news because uh, covering violence, you are not any, anybody's fair uh, target. Anybody could be fair target. So, it was very difficult moving around on that day when many people were killed. So I believe that violence paved the way for the coming of the military because mm. really bad news for Nigeria. Mm. Because I believe if Second Republic has survived, 
Nigeria would have made a greater progress than we have made now. It was a really, really pity that uh, the politicians overplayed the game and they allowed the military to come out. Uh, the press also, uh, when, when, when the military came in 1983, December 31st, many people were sharing. But in the end, we knew that uh, it was a great error, especially on the part of us journalists. Democracy is better for the country. What school, what school would have been done differently, um, particularly by journalists at that time, that might have perhaps prevented the return of the military dictators? I wrote a book about it. That yes, which, which, which I'm actually coming to because you mentioned Second Republic. I, I wanted us first to look at, you know, very, just very briefly, so the in highlights. The, in, the, in, the, in the preface to that book, I wrote about the, what was happening in Akure, we, what we journalists were doing. So we allowed politicians to seize control of media houses. The Federal Radio Corporation Akure became an instrument for the NPN, while the Ondo State Broadcasting Corporation became an instrument for the UPN. Whether media managers could have resisted such influence, I, I, I don't know. But I, in my experience later in the year, later in years when I when I become a media manager myself, mm. I believe uh, journalists could have uh, put a lot of uh, caution on this reckless uh, politicking of politicians. We shouldn't have allowed journalism to become a playing field for political combat. So maybe we could have done something different. Um, politicians, therefore, were looking for their own instrument of journalism. My my boss in the Concord, Shifem Kewabela, originally established the Concord mm. to be an instrument of politics. Later, he left Concord, he left politics, and therefore that gave greater freedom for journalists in the Concord to practice journalism as, as it should be. I think part of the problem we journalists were having then, and we are still having now, is to have media owners who have more interest than the pursuit of truth. That is a, that is a fundamental problem which we are still even having now. The media owners who have more interest uh, outside the pursuit of the truth, which is basic tenet of journalism. Now, coming to your book, House of War which is sort of like a study of Nigeria's Second Republic, especially as it affects Chief Obafemi Awolowo and his followers. What were the thoughts running through your mind when you sat down to pen that book? And, you know, did you, did you intend for it to be a study of Nigeria's Second Republic? Well, uh, the First Republic collapsed in the due to the intervention of the military. And if you search all literature, there is no book recording events of those era. We have books on theories, we have books on views, but really what really happened on the field, uh, nobody has really gone around to detail it. Therefore, uh, having been in the vantage position in Akure to talk to the players, to see the players in action, <clears throat> to interact with them on the field, I felt duty bound to record this for history. That is, uh, that was the basis why I decided to write the House of War. The, mm. 
having written it, I realize even now that nobody has recorded that kind of events in other parts of the country. Hmm. There is no book about what happened in the East, the crisis in Anambra State and Imo State, the coming of coming back of Ochuku. All those are crises that should have been recorded by by writers. They were not recorded. So the same thing in the north. So you find that uh, on, on the matter of day-to-day happening of the Second Republic, my book still stands alone today, unfortunately. There's no other, there's no other book on, of that nature. We, we often have this conversation about how um, Nigeria does not document events about how things just happen and we just you know move on from it and there's nothing to refer to do you think that has played a role in how nigeria currently operates with the many challenges we are facing with our democracy i think leaders who get more interested in about uh, recording their own legacies instead of looking at the next election the next election the next election Mm. Putting some things on record is critical to the lives of those who are coming after us because they will have a reference point. Uh, in 2014, Gaskar Media was commissioned to write a book on 100 years of Nigerian history. And we went to Abuja trying to see whether we can get a list of former ministers, those who have been ministers before. And I can tell you, Many ministries did not have the list of their former ministers. Not to talk of that. They don't know who have been ministers before. Because ministries have been marched, have been uh, split, have so many things have happened, and therefore nobody could give a clear cut number of those who have been ministers before. Uh, there, are, there are two great exceptions to this Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs, <coughs> Ministry of Works. But most of the other ministries, they could not come out with a credible list of former ministers. We have not been recording our history. Our leaders, our leaders have not been writing their books like other parts of the world. And those those who those they have led have not tried to write books about these leaders. We only we only uh, lionize them when they are dead. Then we forget them like uh, ancestors. So. People say that the Southwest people are highly educated, but how many people, how many books have been written about about Awolowo, apart from the one he has written himself? How many books have been written about Akinta? Like there are some few books, but in other parts of the world, scores of books, even if not hundreds, would have been written about these personalities. There is no book, at least I can, I can remember. Now there is no serious book on those who are governors and rulers of the former Western region. Hmm. There is hardly any book about, apart from the Nigerian century that we did, uh, there are hardly any other book you can look at that has chronicled histories of Nigerian leaders from 1914 to the present. All these are important. We just left them, we just believed on, let history take care of itself. In, you, are, you are based in a battle. Mm-hmm. Find out whether there is any book about or a compilation of inaugural speeches of all those who have been governor for your for your state and western state, you'll be very shocked that it will be difficult to find those inaugural speeches. In fact, it is something that should make us ashamed. But 
Perhaps people would say that is it exactly so important to keep records re- records of these things? <laughs> I mean, what what impact does it have on socio political conversations? What impact does it have on our development as a country? How does it affect the trajectory uh, and 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 the speed at which we develop as a, as a nation? Uh, Keeping record is very important for the life of a nation, and the greatest thing is that there are lessons to be learned. From keeping records. For example, now Nigeria went to war for 30 months, in which it is estimated that about 1 million people died. It will be a, it will be a disservice to coming generations if there are no records. So that, because it is when you have those records that you will not repeat the mistakes of the past. We also know, like it's recorded in the House of War that a dispute that should have been left to the to the law courts was taken on by the by the public and therefore many people were killed. Mm. In the end the dispute still went to court. Mm. So if the people have allowed the dispute to go to court as recorded in that book, there there would have there was no reason to kill so many people. History inspires. People are inspired by what is what they know. When they tell you this are the what your, your father has done, your grandfather has done, your great-grandfather has done, then you are inspired to want to be better than them. But if you don't know who you are, you don't know where you are coming from, then you are uh, what the English people call in an entity. It will make us wiser. And we need wise rulers in Nigeria. One of the mistakes Africans have been making is that we have been electing leaders who are poor students of history. Therefore, we remain poor repeating mistakes that shouldn't have been encountered, shouldn't have encountered in the first instance. History is an instructor of the wise. Talking about um, leaders, African leaders, let's come back to Nigerian leaders. I mean, by virtue of the profession that you practice, you have had to interact with Nigerian le- leaders over, over a space of... Um, a couple of, I mean for several years now I'm trying to my math is very bad but you are 66 and you started practicing in the 1980s so let's say about um, 30 years plus right you've had to keep interacting with Nigerian leaders and my question would be that following events closely in the political space how has governance in Nigeria changed or uh, people would say that it has gotten worse do you agree has gotten worse I think I think we have become more impatient. I think we have we have more access to rumor more than life, and then therefore um, it, it, it pollutes the atmosphere. But basically, uh, uh, there have been there are fundamental flaws within the Nigerian space. Part of the fundamental flaws, uh, uh, because I continue to ponder whether Nigeria really needs thirty-six states. Hmm. I think it was a great error. I think it, I think it was a great error to have tampered with the twelve states that the one created. Hmm. I think Nigeria should just have remained that twelve states, and that has uh, caused a lot of problem on the political landscape. All the issues are talking about restructuring. All the issues are talking about uh, power, this and that. That, that was the crisis. By dissolving the 12 states, by now having 36 governors instead of 12, this political space has become extremely overcrowded. And overcrowded, unfortunately, mostly by incompetent and 
misinformed men and women. So it is a it is a crisis that we don't know how to we 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 got ourselves into it. We don't know how to get in, get uh, back out of it. When you look at social media now, it appears as if it's only the federal government that is, that is in existence. As if there are no governors. As if there are no local government chairmen. Whereas when we were young, the Badon City Council used to run one of the most efficient transport companies in Nigeria. The Badon City Council. It was a one, Badon had only one city local government. And it was based on Mako, the Mako Hall. And it was running the entire city. Now, I don't know how many local governments about that, but it's maybe 10 or 16 now. So a job being done by one local government chairman is now being done by system men. So are the system men doing it more efficiently than one man? So the job that was being done by 12 governors in 19, up to 1976 is now being done by 36 governors. But, but some people would argue... Some people would argue that there was a need there, there, there was a need for inclusion. There was a need to cater to the diverse nature of you know the entities that make up Nigeria. Well, when you create minuscule states, when you create states that are too weak, they will perform the functions of the state. Is there any local government now that can be compared to the city council? Is there any local government that has aspire to have a teacher training college, mm. to have a, a, tra- a proper transport company? to carry out the refuse dumps in Ibadan, to tar roads, to build estates. Is there any local government in Ibadan that can try it? So is there any state in Nigeria that can build the kind of university that the Western region built in? If we, are, we, are, we say we, we want, we want uh, inclusion. What is it? It's the politicians who want inclusion because they want offices. They want to be... It is easier, let me tell you, it's easier to be governor of uh, your state than to be governor of Western, Western state. You know that. So now, the federal government, before our very eyes, has become a Leviathan. And we don't really know what to do about it. So what I uh, hear you say is form. that there is a need for restructuring, yes, but even more about how governance is carried out at state levels than at the federal level. Yes. The restructuring that we should have is the major of states to form regions. People are waiting for the federal government to come and do that. It is not going to happen. If the Yoruba people feel that they need to have their region back, then let the Yoruba people sit down and find a way they can create new regional structures. As, as you saying the Yoruba states are not big enough, is, they are not bigger than some countries. Is there any Yoruba state that is not bigger than this, that, the, that the country called Gambia? Don't they have airline in Gambia? Don't they have uh, the military? Don't they have university? So we should stop complaining and decide on what to do. And because we do not have so much time, I would like us to quickly talk about the early years of your career when you were a founding member of the Pioneer, of the Pioneer team of Newswatch, right? You were a member of that Pioneer team and Newswatch was run by Delegiwa. In fact, uh, at the time when you were given an award by Delegiwa, you said you have established yourself as the in-house biographer, our own Theodore White, no less. You write with such feeling that men and women, dead or alive, ancient or contemporary, stand before our readers in, fle- in flesh and blood with their strength, weaknesses, warts and all. Few writers are able to do this. We salute you. It speaks perhaps to the close relationship you had with the late Deligiwa, right? What were those um, early years you know, of working with him like? I, I mean, it was a very volatile time 
with that ended in his death? What was it like? Well, I think I would call it the golden era of uh, journalism that we had. Ewa uh, died very young. He was 39 when he was killed. Mm. And uh, before we funded, uh, before our guys funded this work, uh, we were, I was, as I said, I was a reporter with the National Concord. Mm-hmm. And in the National Concord, I served as National Assembly correspondent before. I also served, I also reported briefly from the State House before moving to Akure. Mm. Yeah, when we came back, that was when we started the news world. Uh, it was very exciting working with great journalists in the uh, news world. Those who founded news world were Delegua, Ray Epo, Dan Agbese, and uh, Yakubu Mohamed. And the four of them banded very well. It was a very, very great thing. Yes, I said when we started Newswatch, the Buhari government was in power in 1985. Shortly after that, Buhari was toppled by the chief of Amistad, <clears throat> yeah, General Babangida. So it was it was a turbulent period. And shortly after Babangida came to power, that was the report that was another attempted coup. Then... Uh, in October, October 19, Giwa was killed. It was a terrifying experience. Because nobody has ever heard of anybody being killed by a parcel bomb during this time. So it, those early days were really uh, exciting, but in some aspect, traumatic. We were, not, we were not prepared for the death of the Giwa. The man would be sitting in the comfort of his house, and so he would bring a parcel bomb. And then uh, he would die on his uh, writing desk. That was quite, that was a trauma that we never really, uh, I don't think we got over it. Mm. I don't think we did. Mm, I don't think we did. Our bosses in uh, Newswatch, you know, they were, they were, they, they were, there were four of them. And when Giwa was killed, I mean, it was very, I mean, for example, Giwa and the Reku were living on the, in the same premises. They shared a twin duplex. So the two of them could have been killed that morning because they always they were always together. But fortunately, Leku and his family went to went out that morning on a Sunday morning. So <clears throat> anything could have happened. So it must have been seriously traumatic for them. For those of us who are their uh, subordinates, we were. It was a terrifying thing because the leader of the troops are suddenly. We take it. So, uh, our leaders, our our bosses, were trying to be cautious. I'm saying, but they still have to be journalists. And the reporting of the death of Delegua, uh, many of us believe, and I still believe, that those who killed Delegua <clears throat> were those who were close to the government of the day at that time, headed by General Bangida. Mm. We, we didn't really have any concrete evidence about it. But we believe, who else who have any reason to kill the Legua? We believe that it must have been those close to the government. So, uh, the, gov- the government did everything to frustrate all attempts to find out those who killed the Legua. I remember uh, uh, our lawyer, Chief Ganifaim, he was harassed. He was, he, he barely escaped being killed. 
So we also, uh, in, in the beginning, we also had uh, an understanding that Dilly Gua will be buried in Lagos. In order to honor him, uh, the NUJ, Nigerian you know, the journalist, originally said he could be buried in the NUJ premises of Victoria Island. You get what I'm saying? And suddenly, uh, this could not be so. And uh, he has to be taken to his village in uh, Edo State. So it was quite a traumatic time. Uh, it led inexorably to some of us living this world to come and start uh, Pell Magazine. Okay. As we finally round off this conversation, you ran for the governor as you want you run for the position of the governor of Ikiti state under alliance for democracy well yes, yes. why did you decide to make that switch and do you still intend to run come next year no, I, I don't i don't intend to run come next year but it was okay if we as, as people who talk about how our country should be run we should occasionally leave the ringside to come to join into the ring and that has been done by many prominent journalists in the past dr namdi azukwe uh, attorney Noro. Uh, so many people, Chief Bison Abanjos, Chief Jaconde, Chief Shelbo. So many journalists have, uh, have joined the, the political frame. And I think it is necessary for those journalists uh, who have been doing so to also have those who are coming after them follow that. They are, they are good example. Journalists are good at running a country. You can mm. go through the records of those who have mentioned. Mm. Go through the record of Olabison Omar. Go through the record of Galatif uh, Dakonde. Go through the record of Lucia Gwashoba. Go through the records of Atune Noro. Go through the record of Dr. Namdi Azikwe. Even was a reporter. Akitola was a reporter, was, was an editor. So, Adamushi Roma, all these people are, are journalists. And when leaders are informed, they know they know how to change things. And journalists are not necessarily always looking after money. Mm. They prefer to look after the legacies that will come uh, or that they may leave uh, uh, behind in their offices. We, are, we have enough motivation to want to run into our public offices. I think that I was well motivated. So why are you no longer motivated to run again? I think we are, we are, there is always other stages that in which you can serve. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe uh, so. I'm so so you're done with politics. Uh, I am still. I am a political animal, but I'm done with uh, partisan politics. Mm. I'm not. I'm not going to run to any partisan political contest. I, I know that there is there might be more to the story, but of course uh, I'm out of time to continue the conversation this morning. It was quite a pleasure to have you join us on National Discourse, uh, Dari Barbarians, and I do hope that we can have you some other times to talk about relevant issues, uh, either interviews like this or on discussion programs. It was quite a pleasure to have this conversation with you, sir. Thank you very much. Wow, every time we walk down the lane of history, it reminds you that there's quite a lot to learn from the things that have happened in Nigeria, in Nigeria, and that, you know, if, if we pay attention to the past, perhaps we might be able to move, you know, beyond the current challenges that this country faces. 
And that's where we draw the curtains on today's episode of National Disgust. My guest has been Mr. Dario Babariansa, former executive director of Tell Magazine and the chairman uh, or publisher, rather, of Gaskia Media Limited. Till I come your way again next week, do well to keep listening to Agidigbo 88.7 FM and do your part in making Nigeria a better place. The name is Zainab Sani. <laughs>